find something that nobody else in your space, whether that be in Nashville, Chicago, wherever else that your audience is listening in, in your space, if you find that you want to work in sports media in Nashville, Tennessee, okay, well, everybody's got a Titans reporter, everybody's got a Preds reporter, but they don't necessarily have somebody covering Nashville SC yet, the soccer team. How can I be the best possible Nashville soccer club reporter and then start to build my platform from there? Get in there, exploit it, and make it yours. Own it, and then once people see that you're the go-to guy, then everybody else wants a piece. Welcome, everyone, to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Okay, welcome back to the ultimate shift. Today, uh, we have Buck Reesing. Is it Reesing or Rising? Reesing. Rising, Jesus. Is it really Rising? <laughs> for our listeners who don't know Buck, uh, you are a sports broadcaster for A to Z Sports. You have your own podcast, which, by the way, I just discovered, I don't know why you didn't tell me you have a podcast before. I have listened to your podcast and I've died laughing. Honestly, my favorite thing ever from your podcast was the one where you got your mom on. I think I probably cried during that. It was so funny. Uh, yes, it's the hundredth episode is out as we are recording this today. The 615 Sessions podcast. No free ads here on the Ultimate Shift podcast. But uh, yeah, you know, we have a good time. Uh, it's not usually just me taping a podcast with my mom. Sometimes we have Titans general manager John Robinson on. We don't often talk about bathroom etiquette as we did today with my mother. That was a little bit of a shift in the dynamic, not to, you know, no pun intended. Yeah, the podcast is a great time. It's sports-based, so I'm sure your audience is too intelligent to sink to such depths. But if you are interested <laughs> in local sports going on here in the 615, you have the 615 Sessions. Rate, review, and subscribe. I sent you a message the other day about that guy, and I hardly listen to sports ever, but there's this, this commentator. I can't think of his name right now. I only started following him last week. What's his name? I sent him to you and said, you sound just like him. Can you pronounce his last name better than you pronounce mine? It's Bob Maneri. <laughs> Bob Maneri is the crudest and rudest of the sports. <laughs> he's, he's an internet guy, which I respect the hell out of. Bob Maneri is a spoof of what we call, you know, for those unfamiliar with sports broadcasting, a play-by-play broadcaster so every time you turn on your television and watch a football game every time you turn on a basketball game or a hockey game if you are so inclined you see somebody who is there to set the scene and who voices the action who describes the down and distance of you know wherever the quarterback and the running back are on the football field who describes what the setting the time the place and the implications of the game are and Bob Maneri just kind of uh, tramples all over that and does crude not FCC safe play-by-play, and it's uh, it's one of the funniest things on the internet. Because I started following him after you sent it to me, so you got one oh, sports really? thing up on me, yeah. Yeah, so I say that to say to our guests, you are basically the Bob and Mary of Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are so many guys that would want your job that would love to do what you do. I mean, I'll just say, like, the biggest reason I wanted you on this podcast was 
I want to record this, watch you, learn from you, and then I'm going to just steal everything you do and try to imitate your voice because you have a radio voice. I don't. Yeah, and I also look like I should be on the radio. So fortunately <laughs> for your audience, this is a audio-only medium. And listen, if you start to lift my material, Ephraim, it's all recycled from other places, buddy. Like, I'm just stealing the same stuff. Been stolen a hundred times before. It is the greatest sham of our industry. Five years in Nashville. Actually, this past Sunday, as we're taping this pod, I got a job with the ESPN radio affiliate down here to come and work for $10 an hour from midnight to 6 a.m. at the radio station in what is probably by far and away the most unflattering of circumstances. No on-air time, just learning the operations of a radio station and just how disgusting a place that radio stations can be. And I love radio. Radio is like my favorite thing in the world. It's mostly because that's you know where I got my start. And so I was working 6 to 10 every night. I was loading trucks for FedEx during the day to make my rent. And finally, they decided at the radio station that I sounded ridiculous, just as you have pointed out to your audience, and that I should be doing more stuff on air because I'm easy to make fun of. And also, you know, they didn't happen to have anybody covering the local professional football team at the time. So I got to go to Titans practice, big stuff. So over the past five years, I've continued to cover the Titans. I ended up quitting that radio station to come and work for A to Z Sports, which is an online streaming digital network. I still do radio as a paid contributor for 104.5 The Zone in town for uh, Cumulus Radio. I do local TV when they ask me uh, to befoul the proceedings on there on set. And it's just been kind of a cluster ever since then, because this was not what I wanted to do for a living. I didn't really care at all about sports. And really? Oh, God, no. God, no. What did you want to do? Oh, I was going to go to law school. Both my parents worked in uh, politics and government. My mom was a congressional lobbyist for a telecommunications firm in DC. My dad was a foreign diplomat from the Egyptian government, which is why I have such a great tan. And I went to school as a political science major and literally people on campus started making fun of my voice and said, hey, you should come do student radio. And so five years later, I pay my mortgage with radio. (laughs) You weren't a sports guy at all. Like you didn't know anything about sports. Nothing like that. No, no way. My household was very anti-sports, if anything. As a single mother, we didn't have time for sports, you know. Sports distracts from the real goal of all things. Uh, And she was on my podcast today. We discussed this as college football is canceling everything around us and, and the world falls apart in my world in particular. The value of education was always emphasized over athletics in a way that my mom felt that it was not being well enough represented anywhere else in American life. And so that was how we came to be. And turns out sport's pretty easy to learn. And it's an industry that's filled with C students. All you have to do is be just a little bit smarter than everybody else and you can rise to the top. And now, you know, we're working on that. I don't know if we're quite there. I'm not quite an A student yet, but we'll see how it goes. It's been a lot of fun, though, in the meantime. I love Nashville. Where do you want to go with it? Well, at the risk of pissing off the people I currently work for, I mean, everybody, 
I don't really think about these open-ended questions, do I? No, it's a terrible question by you. Thank you for sabotaging me as I sit here in my home studio, paid for and built by the people that I currently work for. I guess the best answer and the safest answer is I honestly, Ephraim, and it's not a cop-out, I just, I really don't know because the technology and the listening habits of people are changing so fast around us especially during this global pandemic that we're all trying to get through, it has exposed massive inefficiencies in the world of sports and in the world of sports broadcasting. So, you know, even five years ago, I would have loved to have a a four-hour, five-day-a-week daily sports talk radio show here in Nashville and then maybe built it up in a way that ESPN or Fox Sports Radio or one of these other major networks would pick something up that had been built from the ground up in a local market, the way that a lot of people who are currently in the industry had gotten their start. That's no longer the case. You have to be able to do everything. I do a streaming talk show for about an hour and a half every night on Facebook Live, Periscope, YouTube, Twitch TV, uh, A to Z Sports Primetime. I do sports talk radio. I do the podcast twice a week. Uh, I try and stay active on social media, and I write about the NFL team that I cover on top of, you know, trying to do actual journalistic things, try to find out stories and scoops and things uh, that you get in the dirty dealings of backroom conversations in the NFL world, which is a good time. But, you know, I mean, everybody wants to work at ESPN, and that's kind of where I started. So if I'm to go full circle and say, yeah, I would love to be on national television or national radio, or if A to Z is it builds, uh, you know, as, as I help and we help as a company grow in the way that you've seen Barstool Sports do to where he's just some guy blogging or video blogging in his house somewhere. And then they sell to Penn National for $450 million. And it's an enterprise. I wish I had a better answer for you than that. All I know is the more that people continue to pay me to talk into a microphone, I'm happy to keep doing it no matter what the level of the platform is. So whether that's local or national, I'm just trying to adapt and and evolve the same way that we all are in this industry. What about starting the (laughs) play-by-plays? To do games? So I tried that one time in college and it was a disaster, just unmitigated disaster. As we have breaking news from the NFL world, and my bosses are going to start freaking out for anybody that cares, Titans linebacker Vic Beasley has not passed his physical placed on the team's non-football injury list. It's a disaster. Oh, wow. Uh, You just now found this out? Literally just got that text. Breaking news here on the ultimate (laughs) shift. Yeah, to do play-by-play is really hard because you have to be, one, a consummate professional. The preparation that goes into those broadcasts where if you're talking about, let's say the NFL, just for example, uh, a 53-man roster, 10 guys who are on a practice squad, the entire bios of the coaching staff, you have to know each and every element of what those 53 plus 10 practice squad players plus the 20 guys on the coaching staff whose story you may have to tell at any given point over the course of a four-hour broadcast, you have to do all of that over the course of keeping track of the down and distance, as I mentioned, keeping track of everything that's happening on the football field, and also not talking so much as to get in the way of the broadcast. It's different in radio, it's different in TV, but 
I tried it one time in college. It was a four-hour wrestling meet. I was righteously hungover, and I had no idea what any of the terminology for the sport of wrestling. And then they just dropped me into the middle of a four-hour Big Ten <laughs> wrestling meet, and I'm sitting there trying to describe what I thought was a chokehold, and the guy who's doing the broadcast with me is looking at me like, dude, you don't know what you're doing at I mean, it would be a different kind of thing because I cover games now. I go to games. The Titans made it all the way to the AFC Championship game, the game before the Super Bowl this year. One of the coolest experiences that I've ever had. And to be the voice of those broadcasts for everybody watching on TV or everybody listening on radio, there's something to be said about how, you know, a lot of people have broadcasters who they associate with their childhood, whether you're listening to St. Louis Cardinals game in the car with your dad when you're driving around or something like that. And the guy who's done the Cardinals games for 25 years is just a part of your childhood. People have those associations in a way that's really, really neat. I just think there's so much else out there that play-by-play, if an opportunity happened to present itself, I would relish it. I would try it again because it's been at this point, you know, almost eight years since I've tried to do one of those. But I just think that, especially with the way that we don't, you know, we don't know whether broadcast crews are even going to be sent to games in 2020. I could be calling a game, sitting here, looking at my monitor and speaking into a microphone like this right now. The evolution of it is unknown at this point. But if things are all normal again, you know, somebody says, hey, you want to go call? A high school football game, take some practice at this because nobody's going to put me in front of an actual audience until I've had a few reps. You know, I give it a shot. How did you learn? Like, I mean, I listen to you and I'm like, man, I wish I could be that fluent behind the mic, you know, on the podcast or whatever. And for you, like not even thinking that you're going to become what you are today as a broadcaster. What was the biggest challenge you had stepping in that role or did it just come naturally? You don't like people, but you're not a shy person. How do you know I don't like people? We're <laughs> friends. I agreed to do the podcast. You're going to come over here and insult me on your, I mean, you can on your podcast. But hey, you, I'm just reiterating what you said on your podcast. No, it's true. I hate people. It's really, it's, which is I'm funny. I'm messing with you. I've never seen you not look happy around people. Every time I run into you out in town, you're just like the happiest person. You're always just like a burst of light to see. So I, I don't even know where that came from. Yeah, it's funny because one, I'm good at this job because I'm just obnoxious and I'm loud and I sound like this <laughs> and it really le- legitimately and whether it's years of drinking and smoking that have met, worn my vocal cords down to where I'm chemically enhanced at this point and I, I sound a little more gritty on the radio late nights with Buck Rising. It was never as comfortable as it is now and you'll find this out the more. How many episodes are you into the podcast? We're... 15, I think, but I've recorded maybe 25 or so. It's just about reps. Like the more time, you know, Ephraim, I sit here. It's, it's lovely to have somebody else to talk to for a change because I sit Sunday to Thursday night when I do the streaming show and it's just me. Now, fortunately, I don't have a time limit, but I'm just talking and I have topics that I've set out for myself. I'm sitting in front of a camera. It's live stream so people can tell me how ugly I look today on the camera and I have to keep talking about who the Titans signed off of IR today or something like that and not break stride. It's simply about the amount of time that you have spent talking in front of a microphone and about a tremendous amount of opportunities that I should not have had 
at, you know, I'm, I'm 27 as of last month, I'm getting old, but I been afforded plenty of opportunities to where at this point in my life, which is still pretty early for a lot of people in our industry, I've gotten a ton of different kinds of shows under my belt, a bunch of different, you know, settings, formats of shows to whether, you know, it's a solo streaming show or it's two hours of radio solo or if it's a podcast and I'm supposed to be the interview subject serving as an analyst in that way identifying the role and then figuring out how to adapt to it is something that you just got to feel out in the process and fortunately I've had enough of those opportunities pop up to where I'm pretty much comfortable in every setting and I can fake how much I like people just because I can be loud and you know it's not, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm so kidding. What's next for Buck Rising? Marriage, kids? Jesus. Just, uh, <laughs> don't tell my girlfriend that. God. You know, it's weird because what's next for any of us in 2020? I feel like, not to get super deep, but things are changing so rapidly around us, buddy, that to predict what, you know, the next year of life will look like, I think is a complete and total crapshoot i've just bought a house i love nashville tennessee it's you know, you Evansville. Here for the foreseeable future yeah because i'm tied to a 30-year mortgage here so for at least until <laughs> <laughs> i get it paid off a little more i consider nashville to be my home i'm not from nashville i'm from evansville indiana i didn't even know that. i knew indiana i don't know why i thought you were up closer to Chicago or someplace. No, I'm way down podunk south. I'm basically Kentucky. You can't even tell the difference. Yeah. But, and I've lived, you know, all over the world because of what my parents did for a living and, and because of my background. And this Nashville, this is the place that I consider to be my home. This really? is the place where I feel like I've grown up uh, in my adult life from the time that I was 21 and I landed down here. I was working midnight to 6 a.m. to now, uh, or I guess 22. Um, and now five years into this thing where not to be self-involved, but to where I feel like I've got a little bit of a foothold within our media space, sports media space anyway. And I, I'm really comfortable with where I'm at now to be comfortable is not, you know, it's not what you want to be. I don't got to tell you that you're an entrepreneur. You're always looking for opportunities that put you in uncomfortable settings and then you adapt and you rise to that challenge, right? So I've never said no to an opportunity. I have representation that is always exploring other opportunities for me that I may or may not want to pursue. But right now, A to Z Sports is building something really, really cool here from the ground up in Nashville, and they are in the process of expanding. And so not just because I work there now, there's a reason that I went to work for these guys and it's because their concepts are very different from the way that traditional media is done. And I'm really excited about seeing how this thing pans out. So in the meantime, I'm going to keep doing the streaming show. I'm going to keep doing the radio show. I'm going to keep doing the TV shows and I'm going to keep doing the podcast twice a week until somebody tells me to shut the hell up and go home. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You touched on like two things that, that I think about a lot. And not to get super political or anything, but like you touched on like where we are as a nation, as you know, with everything that's going on in the world, not even just a nation, just national in general, because we're an entertainment town and that's pretty much, you know, not happening right now. 
that and then you mentioned opportunities like saying yes to opportunities like where do you think your career would be if it wasn't for those two or like what's your advice i guess would you give to someone that's in nashville right now and having a tough time with this and the opportunity thing like is this a time where you start looking outside of nashville where are your thoughts on that i'm always trying to gain insight on different things like that right now yeah and listen if you want to talk politics i talk politics all day i love that stuff it's so hard. It's so hard right now. And there's, there's a reason that things in this country are the way that they are. And the pandemic is being handled in a variety of different ways across the country based on the situations that each of our states, our cities are facing and our local and state governments are having to adapt as a result. And so there's no perfect solution for anybody. Here in Nashville, we have Financially, we were already in pretty bad shape because what the city of Nashville had done was not raised property taxes for 12 years before they passed the emergency budget with a 34% tax increase under Mayor John Cooper because we didn't have a rainy day fund. We got sapped by the tornado and then COVID hit and we're all just looking around like, the hell do we do now? You know, we are not financially destitute as a city, but we're not in great shape. And that was done by leadership. You know, Cooper will get blamed for the bulk of it. That was done by mismanagement over the course of time. So now we find ourselves as an entertainment city, as an event city, as a means of, you know, we are the it city. We are the fastest growing city in the country. People want to come here because we're a good time. And we have a variety of different entertainment options that are all currently shuttered. What I would say to people trying, at least in my, in my lane, I, I don't know how you survive as a musician right now, but at least in my lane, figure out how you can best spread your content across social media. Everybody is at home right now. TikTok may or may not get shut down in the next, what is it, 36 days if an American company doesn't buy it. Donnie's coming for the TikTok. You can't be a TikTok influencer for much longer unless something happens. But what does Insta that mean for a lot of people, do you think? Oh, a financial collapse. Because Ephraim, we've been creating jobs where jobs didn't exist across the internet. And now everybody's going to have long? to... Did it take long? No, it had to happen overnight. I mean, hell, we were, we were sitting here for the A to Z sports company. You know, all of it was done digitally anyway. And then the pandemic hit and all of my friends who do radio and TV are scattered to the wind in their homes and they're trying to figure out how to get a four-hour radio show five days a week off the ground from, you know, four people in five different locations or whatever you want to say. And you got to figure that by Monday morning at 6 a.m. when you're on the air. It had to happen overnight. Instagram influencers are easy to make fun of, but if you can find a way to generate an income stream out of that, do it. If you can find a way to generate original content on TikTok, do it. Bob Benary is a great example of that. That dude just likes to cuss and call games like he's watching old Steelers highlights and dubbing his voice over the highlights. Nobody was doing it before. And he's crude and he's lewd. And, you know, it's a little bit scandalous sometimes, but nobody was doing it. And now he's an internet superstar. It's, yeah. it's so hard to find things that aren't already being done because in the content world, and you know this, we are wildly oversaturated. This is not a shot at, at your podcast, not a shot at my podcast, but everybody got a podcast, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's easy. You have to figure out a way to be different. You have to figure out a way to ask questions that no one else is doing or whatever. 
and it maybe maybe it's me coming to you with the marriage question, you know, things like that. <laughs> no, that's not what you should do. You should I've never not ask me. anyone. I've never asked anyone that. Well, what do you want me to say? Yeah, buddy, I got this engagement ceremony <laughs> planned out here in a couple of weeks. Like I, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go. We can't go to Paris right now. There's a, there's a travel ban for God's sake. Uh, so oh yeah, so you're asking about where I would like to work outside of the place that I work now. And also, do you plan on marrying your girlfriend and having children together? Uh, find out next I'm, on this week's I'm edition of the show. My, I'm not even going off my list today with you, but you know what? That's what I like. You always, you always wing it. Here's, um, here's, well, yeah, let's not say that too loud. These things are easy to do organically because certainly when I started out and I was terrified of the microphone and the live audience on the radio, like I would, I would almost write out everything that I was going to say. And it sounded terrible. It was awful. You could tell that I was reading off a piece of paper and nobody wants to hear that. People want you to talk to them like we're talking to each other because you and I have pre-existing chemistry. We're friends before this. It's not an uncomfortable setting for us to just drop in here and have a, you know, a 30, uh, 45 minute hour long conversation. We have that pre-existing chemistry. How you make that sound natural when you don't have that pre-existing chemistry is something you got to develop over time. So I'm giving advice out, man. Find something that nobody else in your space, whether that be in Nashville, Chicago, wherever else that your audience is listening in, in your space, if you find that you want to work in sports media in Nashville, Tennessee, Okay, well, everybody's got a Titans reporter, everybody's got a Preds reporter, but they don't necessarily have somebody covering Nashville SC yet, the soccer team. How can I be the best possible Nashville soccer club reporter and then start to build my platform from there? Get in there, exploit it, and make it yours. Own it, and then once people see that you're the go-to guy, then everybody else wants a piece. And I just kind of got lucky because the, you know, the radio station that I had that I worked at at the time was incredibly cheap and wasn't paying anybody else to cover the Titans. So I just kind of wandered into an NFL facility for the first time. <laughs> and here you are. Here we are. Why do you think people want your position or whatever? You know, they want to be an entrepreneur. Maybe if they want to be a musician. Why do you think people quit before they get there? Oh, all kinds of reasons. In, in this industry, it's, it's financial. You don't make any real money for the first probably three, four, some people five years once you're in. And if you can last five years, which I'm thinking, knock on wood, I made it five years, you can then start to find the opportunities that otherwise, you know, your buddies are making 50, 60K out of college and you're, you know, like I was working for 10 bucks an hour from midnight to 6 a.m. You have to say yes to those opportunities because the minute that you start saying no, people stop asking you. To yeah. do things. And there were times when I, I mean, I'm comfortable admitting this, I'm deeply depressed about where I was, uh, what I was doing, whether this was all going to be worth it at the end of it, where the end was, there was no end in sight at the particular time that I was dealing with these kind of things. You're, you're, you're financial, you're cash strapped. You can't do things on the weekends because sports right. happen on nights and weekends. <laughs> and so your life <laughs> just yeah. becomes completely consumed by this thing. People quit for family reasons. My entire week, I work seven days a week. We're now officially back in the football season, even if it doesn't really feel like it. In any given week, I got games on Sunday that are about 16-hour workdays. I have a show Sunday night. Then I go Monday morning, show, radio, tape the podcast, practice at the facility, 
Tuesday's my off day and I've still got show, podcasts, all of these things. My life is completely consumed by this thing. And so for people who are trying to have normal relationships and their you know, significant other doesn't necessarily understand, well, I can't do things with you and your friends on Friday night because I have a game tomorrow or I have a game tonight that I have to call. I don't go home for Thanksgiving, Christmas, or Easter because Thanksgiving, football is played. Christmas, football is played. New Year's Eve, sometimes football is played, and I have to be there. You have to find the balance at some point, and most people don't until they start to get comfortable within their status or their position in these jobs, and then you can start to you know, pick and choose what things that you're going to do a little more. But in the ramp-up, man, I mean, it completely takes every ounce of everything that you've got at any given point in time. It can be a lot. How important are sports to our society? And how do you feel we as Americans have handled this COVID crisis or whatever you want to call it? And how important is it that we get back to sports? Or what happens if we don't? The short answer is we don't really need sports. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say that out loud because my entire industry goes away if there aren't sports. The reality of the situation is we don't need sports in the way that I think a lot of people thought we did prior to this. There are plenty of people whose lives are absolutely no different from an entertainment perspective than they were five months ago because they may not necessarily give a damn about the NBA or the NHL or Major League Baseball. Like there's real life stuff going on. I work in the the adult version of the of the playground. Like this is this is the playground, uh, and you know we're talking super seriously about things happening in sports when in reality they aren't that serious. But what I will say is our economy, because we love sports so much as a society, college football, for example, has built an economic structure that the universities and the athletic departments cannot function without football specifically. Football is the moneymaker for the vast majority of all of these universities that play Division I football. And so when you don't have football, or for example, you don't have the NCAA tournament, you lose $118 million of your budget for that year because March Madness isn't played with college basketball in the winter. So you start to lose men's soccer. You start to lose women swimming and diving. You start to lose all these non-revenue-generating sports that offer a lot of these athletes the opportunity to get an education, whether that be on scholarship or whether they're just competing as a, as a club athlete, not a, not a scholastic athlete, but a club athlete. But those opportunities start to fade because football season can't get off the ground and the universities have built their economy so much around that to where they have no idea what to do, where Alabama, the biggest, baddest thing in the college football world, is claiming that they're cash poor because the, the, the cycle requires you to spend all of that money that you made on new facilities so that you're keeping yeah. up with LSU and Tennessee and uh, Ole Miss and all these other, you know, just to use the SEC football programs in particular. There is a massive economy that's tied to sports, whether that be the service industry, people that work as, as contract labor on game day, in concession stands, in, as security, as people that take tickets. My entire industry, if, if we don't have college football in the fall and it's looking like we're not going to, these television networks are going to start laying off people en masse because there are billions of dollars tied up in the broadcasting rights for these games, the rights for the TV networks to put these games on your television screen. And that's how everybody eats. If that goes away, 
I better learn how to do a, a do a newscast real quick because I have no idea. You know, there's just no bottom at that point if yeah. sports don't come back. If you were, say, the president, and with everything you know and all the lives that you know are tied to that, is that something you think we should open up to the public? Whether it's nothing more than giving somebody something to think about outside of everything they're having to think about right now. Where does that fit in? What's your thoughts on the safety version of should we open it up? I know that's a loaded question. But. No, it's not. Because, I mean, like, full disclosure, I tested positive for COVID-19 last Sunday. And I'm one of the most hypersensitive people about this thing. But my roommate, I own a home. My roommate rents my second bedroom. He tested positive. He brought it home. And now I have COVID. And I experienced much lighter symptoms than most people. But for about four days there, I was really, really in a bad spot. You know, I managed to get through this and were, you know, through the worst of the symptoms. So now I can speak on it from a perspective of somebody who's actually had this thing. On the lighter side, if I'm a college athlete and I'm not getting paid already to risk my life and limb on a football field, and people can scoff at that if they want to. But I mean, these guys are getting in a car wreck on every play that they're out there. And now on top of the violence of that sport, they're going to lump in something that we don't yet know the long-term ramifications of what COVID-19 can do. So you're telling these guys, yeah, go, go and roll all over each other, go knock into each other, go sweat all over each other, breathe all over each other for three and a half hours, but don't make any money. If I'm a top 50 college football player this year, I'm, I'm passing. I'm opting out of the yeah. season. It's not worth it for me long-term financially. There's no, there's no unions. These, these are Your labor in the world of college sports is unpaid. With the pros, it's a lot easier because, you know, a lot of those guys are on their second or third contract. They're making tens of millions of dollars a year and they have the financial comfort level to say, OK, I can support my family this year if I choose to opt out. Yeah. For the public, we're relying a lot on our state and local governments to make decisions without precedent. And that can be dangerous because it can be overreactionary. It can be underreactionary. And we won't really know what those ramifications will mean for us truly for probably another two to three years, what that will do to our country's economy, our local economies. For people, if they're willing to put themselves at risk that way, you know, have a waiver situation. If the athletes and the, the players' unions uh, across these professional sports say, yeah, it's okay if we go for the Titans. I know they're thinking about 25% capacity at Nissan Stadium this fall. And they say, okay, if you put the fans far enough away from the playing surface to where the players feel comfortable, the coaches feel comfortable, okay, 25% have waivers on the back of tickets, remove the liability from the team and let people put themselves at risk if they choose to. It's just such a cluster because we're kind of political because people support whomever you want to support. And frankly, I don't really identify with either political party. I just want to vote for the you people vote for the people who aren't going to put us in a worse position than we're presently in. And I think that the way that it has been handled to this point has very much allowed for discrepancies that should not have existed had there been more concise and clear leadership for the entire country to look to rather than saying, okay, Tennessee, you do it your way. New Jersey, you do it your way. New York, you do it your way. And then everybody trying to figure out how we can all get, you know, how we can all get together as a country or 
travel from state to state based on each individual rules that each state is setting. It's a very, very difficult situation to navigate. And, you know, six months into this thing, we still don't have enough clear answers. Yeah, I guess time will tell. All I got is time at this point. Honestly, <laughs> I've been doing seven sports shows a week, okay, with no damn sports, Ephraim. You know how hard that is? Like, I'm not, here, I'm not here patting myself on the back. But, like, honestly, now that I'm able to do Zoom press conferences just so I have different things to talk about, thank God. Ugh. Yeah. Give me I mean, esports or something. I'm dying. I mean, I like what you said. Like, give everyone a waiver. Let them decide for themselves. Because, you know, everyone's got to have – their outlet. And for some people, it's sports. For me, it, unfortunately, it's work. For some people, it, it's they want that sporting game. And then that's kind of their, their Sunday, if you will, their Sunday get together before, okay, now we're diving back into work. And so I see, I see that affecting a lot of people. That being said, I've never heard anyone say it like you did, like give everyone the option of a waiver or whatever. Like, hey, if you want to go to the game, you know, you can't blame the NFL or the SEC or whatever it is or the team for if you get sick, you know, that's on you and so forth. And then the players the same way, I guess, but. And the but, players you know. to this point, at least in, at least in the pros are saying, yeah, you know, we'll do it. NBA and, and hockey have done a spectacular job with the bubble. Like this thing can be done right. If the yeah. rules are followed, if the safety precautions are followed, the yeah. NFL and college football don't yeah. have the luxury of having a bubble, whether that's because it's too, the scale of it is just too physically big to pull off. Or like baseball, the guys just weren't willing to coalesce to a three-month hyper-quarantine to pull off a season. So, you know, everybody's doing it differently, and we're seeing who is having the greatest success at this point. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on time. I've got about five, ten minutes yet, but I've got two more questions, at least two more. I got a lot more. We didn't even get started barely, but that's okay. Well, we, we can do a part two. Like I said, I literally i am sitting in my house in front of this microphone <laughs> seven days a week. If you want to call me, you need a part two, I'm there. Hey, all right. Give me a give me a glass of scotch and a cigar one day, and we'll just sit down and we'll do a Joe Rogan episode of two, three hours like he does. <laughs> so I do uh, better when I'm under the influence, or at least I think I do. Maybe <laughs> that's the secret. That's the secret. Now you just spilled it. So from here on, just FYI, anyone listening to the Ultimate Ship, if I seem hammered, I probably am. Thanks to Buck Rising here. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know. We, well, we've been there before, buddy. We've been there before. It will not be the last time. We've I'm not even going to go to tell those stories right now. Because <laughs> I got one in my head that I think about every time I see you. You know, I, I'm sure it involves a bush and I'm sure it involves heavily <laughs> intoxication. And I'm sure I had something to do the very next day. But we will not tell those stories here. From people will have to come back for part two. We'll actually have to come back for the good stuff. Yeah, that's um, how you tease. Well, See, I'm teaching you things. That's it. You got to yeah. tease it out. You got to spread yeah. the content. <laughs> Stretch it thin, baby. All right. So, if you were on a A to Z sports gave you the world platform, everyone's tuned in to A to Z, and right now in this time, this crazy time, and they said, "Buck, you got five minutes." The entire world's listening, and they just want some hope of some sort. What is it you'd tell him? You don't have to take five minutes up on this. What do you think the world just needs to hear coming from you? Oh, that you have the ability to affect change without question. You as an individual have the ability to affect change. And it's not just because we're in an election year and everybody should exercise their constitutionally given right to vote no matter what side 
that it is you are voting on. You, if you do not like your circumstances right now in the year 2020, where nobody seems to like their circumstances right now, Mm -hmm. you personally have the ability to affect change on a local, state, federal level that can totally reshape your situation, that can help further affect change and better your circumstances because you took the time to make sure that you did. People undervalue their ability to do that kind of stuff. And maybe I've never really considered it as important as I have in the last couple of years because, you know, we're growing up, we have to care about these things actually as real human beings now. I look at this and I say there are so many people who are just kind of resigned to the fact that the situation that they are in is the situation that they will stay in unless some kind of luck happens to them, good or bad. But that's not the case at all. You, as an individual, have the ability to affect change, and it can be a very, very powerful thing. Amen. Starting to see that this year more so than ever. Sure. Everything that's going on. If you could ask anyone, alive or dead, any one person, one question, who would it be and what would the question be? I would like to know as I'm looking around my office and I see my Johnny Cash, Bob Dylan, Nashville Cats music display from the Country Music Hall of Fame, I would like to know from Johnny Cash just how many and what kind of drugs he was doing throughout the course of the 1940s. (laughs) I would very much like that interview. I would like to resurrect (laughs) the man in black. I would like a list of all of the drugs that he was doing at any given point, which performances he was on drugs for. Were they better or were they worse? Then his previous performance is sober, perhaps. And I think that'd be a good time. <laughs> what a great answer. That's, that's how you improvise. Got to improvise. That's why you're good at what you do. You make light of things that, that uh, everyone else takes too serious. I mean, if you can't laugh at yourself, especially in, in this business, like people assign some kind of ego to what we do yeah. for a living as, as sports broadcast professionals. It's so laughable to me. You can't laugh at yourself if you can't enjoy what everybody else is enjoying and even if sometimes that's your expense or otherwise what are, what are you doing what are, what are you even doing out here there's this one story i can't stop thinking about and i'm, I'm never going to stop thinking about this with you and your mom do you know where i'm going with this oh the toilet story <laughs> yeah so this is a tease and maybe you tell I can, that story oh sure because maybe if i tease it this way i, I can uh, get a few Ultimate shift listeners to rate, review, and subscribe to the 615 Sessions podcast. No free ads. Yeah, as they should. So I grew up with a single parent home. My mom raised me for the first 14 years of my life. And then she, fortunately for our family, and you know, we it's not like we were in any dire straits or something, but she ended up meeting my stepdad and they're very happy since then. And, and so that's been a blessing for our lives just because it's, you know, she's, she's happy and she doesn't have to be the one who we all lean on all the time. But anyway, single, single mother with a young impressionable son, when the mom doesn't really know much about how young boys are raised when she has no experience, because I'm the first one, uh, I'm the only one that she had. So it's kind of like, okay, let's kind of see how this goes. So when I was being potty trained, I had to figure out how to use the big boy toilet, right? And my mother understood that when guys use the restroom, they lift the seat under normal circumstances. But in lifting the seat, she thought that applied to not just one function, but to both functions. So she was having me sit on the toilet with the seat up. So where I'm like, 
Spider-Man across the toilet bowl <laughs> trying to do my business or trying to learn how to do my business, like trying to keep myself from drowning in a toilet bowl. And she did not realize that this was wrong until probably, I, th I think it took a couple of times of me actually slipping and falling in that we were like, okay, this can't possibly be right. Like maybe it's just better if you just sit on the seat. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know what memo I miss on Sesame Street in the potty training edition. But you can't oh keep falling in the toilet. This is hugely unsanitary. So yeah, for a while, I was trying to do my business with the seat up. Oh, I laugh so hard. For all you listeners, like this is the type of stuff you'll hear on, on Buck's podcast. 615 Sessions. Where can our listeners follow you? If you are on Instagram and you are so inclined, you can follow me at Buck Rising. I'm on Twitter there. If you want to throw A to Z Sports a follow, we are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever it is that you get your social media. We're pumping out. If you're a sports fan, we got a bunch of great content there for you. All sports here in Middle Tennessee. We have a good time. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I mean, I just want to acknowledge you. You're, every time I see you, you're just a good time. I mean, this is for our listeners. Go follow this guy because I watch your stories and I, I'm crying. I'm crying laughing. Sometimes you put clips of your A to Z on one of your pods or whatever. And like, I didn't even know you had your podcast till last week of all things, which is, which is a shame on you because you never told me that. I'm not a click whore. I'm not out here for a uh, rate review and subscribe to the 615 Sessions podcast. You know, <laughs> no, I, uh, I try not to force it down people's throat. If you like sports and if you want to come check out what we're doing, great. If you are not interested, then I'm not going to push it on, especially my friends. Like my friends have to talk to me enough, much less having to listen to me in a broad, a professional broadcast setting. <laughs> I don't even like sports, and and I love watching your stuff because it's just. I mean, either, and I talk about them every day. So. <laughs> well, I got to jump. I appreciate you coming on. We're gonna have to do a, a session too, where where it's just you know alcohol and cigars and me and you talking. So <laughs> cocktails and conversation with E from Glick, the podcast coming soon. I'll be there, buddy. I appreciate you. All right, I'll let you go. You have a good one. Thanks for coming on again. You too. I'm always happy to do it. All right. I'll see you. Till next yeah. time. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy. And we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up. But there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.